Well, we've all been knocked back by a new round of anti-COVID restrictions. What does it mean, though, for Scottish football? How much of a mess are we in? What are your thoughts on that? What do Rangers reckon about the Scottish FA charge against Steven Gerrard for his comments after that recent challenge on Alfredo Morelos? How well have Aberdeen done with the sale of Scott McKenna to Nottingham Forest? That has gone through formally. Uh, today, uh, money up front and add-ons to come as well for the Dons, but they had a big offer some time back. So how does it compare? This is the Go Radio football show for a Wednesday night. Rob McLean here, Ali Defoy is here. And, and correct. Uh, <laughs> present and correct. <laughs> present and, and correct. we're pleased to be joined by the former Rangers utility player, I'm going to call you that, Andy Halliday. Hi, Andy. I'm that utility. I'm, I can play radio <laughs> position as well now. So. Yeah, exactly. And you've got a better looking, slimmer Simon Ferry on the day. So. <laughs> well, that's true. And Barry Ferguson as well. Um, do you feel like a, a former Rangers player, uh, with the emphasis on former, uh, You know, how do you get used to, to not being part of Rangers? Because obviously it was the, the club of your dreams. Yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't feel too strange. Just obviously, I've I've watched the team for many years before I, I was ever got the chance to play. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm proud I, I managed to play for Rangers as many times as I did, and now it's just you know, back to being a fan again. I'm interested to get your comments on this, but a story that's just broken in the last hour. Rangers saying they're bemused by a bizarre Scottish FA charge given to manager Stephen Gerrard for his response to a challenge on Alfredo Morelos. I'm sure you remember the one in the win over Dundee United. Uh, Ryan Edwards was the player involved, the United player. He wasn't punished uh, for the tackle, which caused Morelos to be substituted in Rangers' 4-0 Scottish Premiership victory. That was on the 12th of September. Speaking on Rangers TV afterwards, the Ibrox manager said it would be interesting if it was the other way round if the challenge had been the other way round if Morelis had been responsible for it uh, there's going to be a hearing on the 8th of October here's the the Rangers statement uh, this is a bizarre charge say Rangers which we will robustly contest at the scheduled hearing as is often the case Stephen Gerrard was asked for his view on a flashpoint in the match with leading questions relating to the challenge that caused the injury and whether it should have been deemed a red card on several occasions he refused to do so given the wide range of incidents in Scottish football so far this season we are perplexed that this issue has been raised and cited for complaint whilst our national sport faces an unprecedented crisis. It's baffling that resources are used to charge Rangers manager based on a flawed and inaccurate interpretation of Steven Gerrard's remarks. Rangers will fully support its manager against this charge during the scheduled hearing. Andy, what do you think? Yeah, for me, strange one as well. Uh, I could understand if the manager was maybe calling for some retrospective action uh, towards a Dundee United player, but no, I never made any remarks of that source, and uh, yeah, I, 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 again, like I said, I was just surprised that it's ever came to that. I don't think there was any big deal made on any of his comments, even after after the interview. And you know, he's, you know, we've seen that Stephen Gerrard is very clever with, with how he handles the media. I think he handles it extremely well since his time up here. And I don't think he, anything he said, you know, should should lead to any charge for the SFA. Do you think that what their reading of it was, the Scottish FA reading of it was, that he was questioning integrity, the integrity of the referee, as in, had the boot been on the other foot, literally, and it had been Morales yeah. on Edwards, that, that it might have been a different story? I think he I, I, was maybe a little bit cheeky with the comment, but I don't think he was... 
I don't think it was unprofessional. I mean, to be honest, I'd be interested if it was Alfredo that was the, that was the one that got the ch- done the challenge. He's, he's obviously got that reputation, and don't get me wrong, he, he gets involved with some silly stuff and he, he can be petulant at times. But yeah, I, to be, I'd be I'd be the same. I'd be interested to see what would have happened if it was Alfredo that made the challenge. Is that a part of uh, of his game that that's gone now? Do you think? Do you think he has finally learned the lesson about what where the line is and where not to cross it? The petulance, I certainly hope so. Uh, I don't think anyone wants to take the fire out of his game I think the the best Alfredo is the fiery aggressive Alfredo I've seen listen we're talking about a completely different quality of player here but I've seen it you know, on numerous occasions a young Wayne Rooney and, and you know the, the type of stuff that you got involved in as a young player and I, I never want to take that, that competitive spirit and that fire away from Alfredo's game but certainly the petulance and the I think you look back at his past red cards a lot of it has been, it's been daft kickouts or, or stuff like that so yeah, definitely like to think he's matured in that side of his game, but in terms of the competitiveness, I, I hope it's there to stay. Do you think he's here to stay now at Rangers, or or do you think we're going to still be talking for the next couple of weeks before yeah. the window closes about whether or not Lille are going to come back in, or whether indeed anybody else is going to uh, make make Rangers an offer they can't refuse? Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about him for, for the last 18 months. If he's going to stay, he's going to go, so I don't think it's going to change anytime soon until the window's shut. Uh, for me personally, I think he'll stay. Uh, I think from a Rangers point of view I don't think they can afford to lose him um, I think there's going to be plenty of speculation from out of the window if Leo come back in or another new club comes but I do think that the chatter has calmed down a little bit for two two or three weeks ago it looked as if it was gone you know comments for even the manager saying that he, he seemed a you know a poor attitude or a, a poor work rate in training then he's came out you know last week saying he's seen an improvement on that you know days off he's coming in he's training hard so I do think that he will stay but you know you never know how do you rate him as a finisher, as somebody who's worked up so close to him? I've I've said it before, and it's, it's strange to say it. And listen, uh, he's a fantastic player, and he's been you know an unbelievable servant since I've been at the club. I wouldn't say he's a natural finisher. I think he's a natural goal scorer. But I mean, the best way I can put it is if I seen Jermaine Defoe go one on one with a goalie, I'm thinking goal all day. Alfredo, not as much. I don't think he's just that natural finisher. He's more like. You know, put his foot through the ball. He, he, you know, he'll try and hit the target. Where he's, he's he, I think I take it back to last year. I remember he scored a goal against Petodre. I think it was his second goal. And it was an unbelievable, like finessed yeah. finish. Yeah, I that's remember. something from, that it, you from don't, edge of the yeah, box. Yeah, yeah, that's not something that I'd really associate with Alfredo. It's more, you know, close range headers, getting into good positions, putting his foot through the ball. So I wouldn't say he's an unbelievable finisher, but he, he is obviously an unbelievable goal scorer, as you can see with the goals he scored. Daniel Johnson is a name that's been doing the rounds almost as long as Alfredo Morelos uh, yeah. moving out of the club has been doing the rounds and uh, as a as a piece of transfer speculation. Um, he's with Preston at the moment. You've played against him. What sort of player is he? And 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 would you see him slotting into that Rangers team? Yeah, well, when I heard the rumor, I was I was excited myself because, like you said, I have played against him. He's a uh, he's someone that could fit perfectly into Rangers' system because he, he can play on the right hand side of the front three. He's not sort of out and out winger. He's not the quickest, but he's he's extremely sharp, and uh, it can be a match winner and somebody that can unlock the doors for for Rangers. And listen, uh, you know, the, the, I think they've got a good squad just now, but I don't think you can have enough match winners within the team. So I think it'll be a fantastic sign if they get that one through. We've got Andy Halliday with us. Uh, get in touch if you want to ask Andy a question or just make your point. And uh, how does everyone get in touch, Ali? Absolutely. Give us a call 0808 17 17 700. That's the number. It does not change. Or maybe you want to drop us a text 87474. Put go at the start of your text message. There's one coming through right now. And uh, we, can let, <laughs> we can read it out either to Andy or maybe some of our guests that are coming up. 
One deal that has gone through today, finally uh, formalised. We've really known it was happening since Sunday when he was left out of the Aberdeen squad uh, because moves were afoot. Scott McKenna, the the 18 times capped Scotland defender, has moved from Aberdeen to Nottingham Forest. How highly do you rate him, Andy, as a player? Extremely. Uh, I think you look at the... Aberdeen over the last couple of seasons they've had the best defensive record outside the, the old firm and I think he's been a big part of that he's someone that's he's deceivingly quick he's a, he's an athlete as well as a as a extremely aggressive defender so I, I think he's, he's very well suited to the English Championship as well I think it is more of an athletic league than than there was as in the SPL so I think he'll I think he'll take it in his stride but I think it's going to be a big miss for Aberdeen Will he be lining up alongside Joe Worrell? Is that is that the who was, of yeah. course, on loan at Rangers? Potentially, that... yeah. Uh, you know, I think Joe's went back to Nottingham Forest since his loan spell at Rangers. He played a lot of games, so I don't know. He's either going to play alongside him or replace him. So we'll see. <laughs> and I mean, do you think that Scott McKenna has been adversely affected at all by by the speculation? Because I mean, I guess he's he's now been having it for about a couple of years. Yeah, definitely. I think he struggled with a lot of, a lot of injuries over the last couple of seasons as well. I think he got injured against Rangers last season, but he's certainly someone that Aberdeen miss when he doesn't play, but I mean his quality's there for for all to see. He's got 16 international caps and, and played X amount of games for Aberdeen breaking through the youth system, so uh, he's going to be a big miss, but I think you know Aberdeen's loss is not in for his gain. Just one other uh, fresh-ish uh, piece of transfer speculation going on at the moment. A lot of interest in uh, Logan Chalmers. Not sure how much you've seen of him. Uh, the 20-year-old, well, he's one of a few 20-year-olds in the Dundee United team at the moment. He's uh, home-produced. He's come through the academy, attracting a lot of interest at the moment. Um, and, and it says a lot for Dundee United that they, they seem to be producing a lot of good youngsters who are ready for the first team. Yeah, I think that the first time that uh, I really sort of stood up and noticed Logan Challenge was actually the weekend against St Mirren. I thought he was a standout player, especially the second half. Uh, I think all their best players sort of came through him. But for what I've seen of this Dundee United team is that they're extremely energetic. I think that was the evident, evident in their performance at the weekend as well. Front foot, you know, really aggressive. They were alive to all second balls. They played they played good football. Uh, they thoroughly deserved their victory. But like I said, it was the first time I really you know stood up and took notice. I thought he was excellent at the weekend, so I'm no surprised he's got some suitors out there. Ali, we're looking ahead, of course, to the European Games. All four Scottish teams are involved. Um, well, tomorrow early evening to tomorrow night, uh, three different uh, kickoff times. Remind us of, of what we've got coming up. Absolutely. So for the Europa League, you've got Riga against Celtic. That's going to be a 6pm kickoff at the Skonto Stadium in Latvia. 6.30, Hapoel Beersheva is Motherwell, of course, over in Israel. And Willem Tway uh, against Rangers and Sporting Lisbon against Aberdeen. They are both at 8pm tomorrow night. Yep, good luck to all four. Neil Lennon's been talking today, looking ahead to the game. We'll hear about that in a moment, but also talking about the the current threat to football, the latest threat to football because of all the restrictions which have been uh, hyped up and zapped up um, via Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister, yesterday because of the the figures uh, which are unfortunately on the rise. But what does it mean for football and how should football be reacting to it? Because obviously what we've seen is that the, the test events and the experiments about getting fans back into football have been put back. Here's Neil Lennon. I think we should endeavour to try and push on with it if we can, even though, you know, restrictions are being tightened. I know it sounds a bit contradicting. You know, where would you rather watch a football game or where is it safer in an open air venue or in a in a restaurant or a bar indoors? I think the open air venues are far safer and, and certainly you've got less chance of 
of catching anything and you know can't just be closed door and that's it you know there's got to be some sort of middle ground or some sort of compromise we can find to um, you know make things better for not just football but for all sports really because the infrastructure of some of these sports could collapse Andy Halliday with us on the Go Radio Football Show is Neil Lennon articulating there do you think Andy what a lot of us are thinking um, that um, there are mixed messages going out and why can fans not be in football grounds in the open air when they can actually be watching football inside bars yeah and it's not only that it's surely it's a lot easier to social distance you know you were talking about obviously Neil Lennon was speaking there so let's take Celtic Park for example it's a 60,000 seater stadium you're not telling me you can't have 10,000 in there that's going to have plenty of social distance between I know we had the live event a couple of weeks ago as far as, I, as, far as I've heard it went extremely well and I know we're talking about a, a smaller you know number of fans but it's somewhere to start uh, you know we're talking about there's a potential where no fans can make it into the stadium till March. Well, if, if the, the, the test, event, test event sorry, went well and it was a limited number of fans, I'd like to think we could continue to go ahead with that and just gradually increase the numbers. But I agree with what you said there. It's, you, know, you, you, can, you can be in a restaurant or a pub till a certain time to watch it, but you know, a, a massive stadium like Parkhead or, or, or Ibrox, then, then surely that's the way forward. Isn't it a thought to say, though, if there's going to be 10,000 people, say they could easily be spaced out, but getting there and from is that a point the fact that they will be taking public transport together and is that going to be part of the difference I don't know I heard people yeah, talking think, about it I think that was the main reason they said through the test event they were trying to test how 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 safe it is for people to get in and out of stadiums but I, I realise that it might be an issue but I think it just takes time you yeah, know if you're, planning. you're try, yeah, planning if you're trying to get a certain larger amount of people at the stadium just you know, create one-way systems. You know, again, social distance like you see in supermarkets for waiting on queues. I, I, don't, I don't see it with the resources that they've got to be to be a mass efficient. I think it's something with, with, with the, the right planning they can overcome. And the more you try to stave off the threat of these coronavirus figures steepling upwards again, the more you you do damage in other areas. And uh, it's football is such an outlet for for so many people. So many of you listening um, will be champing at the bit to get football matches not happening at the moment and and that has all sorts of risks to, to people's mental health doesn't it yeah definitely and uh, you know lockdown is a nightmare for everyone and I think everyone had in the back of their mind that they can't wait till, till the football starts so we've now got it started again you know the last thing we want is it for it to be, t- to, to be taken away from us and, and the next step was obviously to try and get back into the stadium and watch our team but I mean, it's been a nightmare for everyone of course fans and Players like myself, it's uh, you know health and safety is paramount. But I'd like to think that we we can start trying to progress to get the fans back into the stadium as soon as possible. Let's get the thoughts of uh, Greg Taylor at this point as well. He was talking today uh, in the build-up to that match in Riga tomorrow about the fact that the, there'll be no no fans of uh, supporting either team in the ground tomorrow. Um, I'm not sure. Uh... It helps either side. I think everyone misses fans, in fairness. Um, I think you've probably seen with the re- results, certainly in our league, there's not really been any advantage with the home or away ties. I think um, teams have came um, one away, teams have won at home. So, no, I think it's a, certainly a leveller without fans. Um, but take it that what you will. <laughs> I think Greg Taylor covered all bases uh, with, with that answer. What, what do you think, Andy? Um, I, I don't suppose you've sampled it. You, you won't have sampled it yet, of yeah, course. Yeah, I've not. Um, playing, playing without fans. What, what do you reckon? Who, who does it help? Who does it hinder? I mean, I think... An example I'll use is if, if people go to... You know, if, if lesser teams in the SPL go to iBooks or Parkhead, I've no doubt that their game plan is try and keep it nil-nil as long as possible. 
and, and, and hope that the fans might start getting agitated and it rubs off on the players so I don't know now how they're trying to combat that with no fans in the stadium but there's no doubt it's going to affect both uh, every team sorry because you know, the fans, they can be that 12th man, they can be that extra 5-10% energy work rate. So it's going to be strange, you know, when I experience it for the first time, it's certainly going to be strange. But uh, I don't think it's, I think I agree with him, I think it is a level. I don't really think it affects one team more than the other. And how close are you to getting yourself sorted? Uh, I said close to a month ago and <laughs> I'm still sitting here so uh, I mean, You're glad you're here though I, Of course I am Of course I am I'm, I've, I've ticked off every media outlet in, in Scotland so This is the best one yeah, This has been the best one by far uh, I mean it's I touched on it's difficult for the fans it, it's, it's difficult for myself as well The market is obviously extremely slow Teams don't know their financial position or, or teams, A lot of teams are haven't started back the league yet. I've, I've only just sort of got back into training, so it has been difficult. I have spoke to you know four or five teams over the last two or three weeks. There's been a couple of offers there. Uh, for me, it's just about making sure it's the right one and, and not jumping into, uh, uh, into anything. I think before seven, we're going to get a definite answer out of you, but <laughs> may, maybe not. Just before we go to the break, quick word again from Greg Taylor. Back to him speaking there about uh, no fans at the game tomorrow. So how do Celtic find their motivation? Um, I think it's it's um, we're lucky. We've got uh, Bruno, he's the captain. He's a great motivator for us. Um, we've all got our own self motivation, of course we do. But with um, Bruno and the gaffer, we've got um, good motivators there, and there's no um, no lack of motivation within our squad. And I guess everyone is different, um, in Andy, in terms of reacting to to the complete lack of atmosphere. And I, and I suppose people like Scott Brown. Um, they're not going to let you forget that, that it's a big game even though it maybe doesn't seem like it because of the lack of noise yeah every team needs them every team needs their leaders they can you know they all lead in different ways and different facets and, and like I said if if you've got no fans it might take that you know 5-10% energy off you that the fans can give you and I'm no shout, uh, I'm, I've no doubt that people like Scott Brown and the, and the leaders within the, the teams over the SPL are the ones that drive on that standard it's the Go Radio Football Show. Get involved. 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go. Always good to hear from you. 0808 17 17 700. Text Go in your message to 87474 and on the socials at Go Football Show. Monday to Friday, 5 till 7. We're all yours. Willie Miller later will be speaking to the Aberdeen legend about the transfer today of Scott McKenna to Nottingham Forest. Also we're on the European countdown of course. All four of our teams in action tomorrow night. It's Rangers in Holland at 8. Aberdeen in Portugal at 8. Earlier at half past 6. Motherwell in Israel to play Hapel Beersheva. And the first match tomorrow features Celtic back in the European Europa League qualifiers and they're in Latvia to play Riga. That match kicks off at six. Let's talk to the former Celtic and Republic of Ireland defender, Darren Adi. Hi, Darren. Hello, how are you? Very well, yourself? Yeah, very good, thank you. You are currently in charge of the Celtic under-18s, I think I'm right in saying. Yeah, you are, yeah. What sort of, uh, how many hoops do you have to dive through at the moment to make all that happen? Uh, quite a few obviously it's uh, changed days there's a lot of protocols we have to follow um, and procedures but um, at least we're back on the pitch training at the minute so that's a, a big big plus 
What, what are you reckoning to to Riga tomorrow night? Uh, Celtic disappointed, of course, not to be uh, pursuing the the Champions League path. Now look, looking to make progress in the Europa, and of course they did so well last season in, in that competition. Yeah, they did. Uh, obviously, the the disappointment to going out of the the Champions League was obviously huge at a club like Celtic. But um, attention will now go to tomorrow. It's a, an enormous game. One they'll need to get through. It, it won't be easy by any means, um, but one I'm sure the, the manager and, and players will be confident of, of getting the job done. Is it a mistake to look at the four games, Darren, tomorrow? And we know we know Sporting Lisbon, obviously. We know Willem Tway because they're just outside the maybe the top three of the Dutch teams. Uh, Hapel Beersheva played Celtic a few years ago, so we, we know about them. And I guess the, the one team that, that maybe doesn't and mean a lot to us is Riga and maybe from that we assume that it should be relatively plain sailing for Celtic Yeah well we as in the public can can think like that all you want but I can assure you probably Neil Lennon won't think like that and certainly his, his analysis and coach won't think like that they'll have, have done all their work on the opposition the players will pretty much know player for player who they'll come up against they'll have seen footage um, they'll have seen many different uh, shapes that they've played so Footage you get these days, no matter who you're playing, wherever they're from, it, there's no longer really obscure countries because you, the amount of, of video you can get. So the players will be well aware of what they're coming up against down to the detail of the pitch they'll play on. So um, certainly from a public uh, perspective, yes, it seems like a simple task, but that won't be the case in-house. They'll, they'll take the, the opposition very seriously and, and obviously look to, to um, do well and go through. It would have been great for Celtic to have been dining at the top table and to have been having a go at knocking at the door to the, the Champions League groups. Realistically, the levels we're at in Scottish football, is is Europa League Celtic's level? Um, I don't know. I was obviously at the Fern Farish game where Celtic should have gone through. Um, I don't think I don't think it's fair to say that's, that's the level, um, but it is this season because that's where, where obviously Celtic are aiming to be. Um, obviously, obviously, in, in years gone by, they've they've managed to qualify and do well in the Champions League. Other years, they've not. I think um, the gulf now is is getting bigger um, financially from the top top leagues, which is is well documented. But at listen, on another given night, Celtic should have gone through the last uh, leg they had. They were home against a team they they should have beaten, and on the night, um, it obviously just didn't happen. So talking about levels and stuff I'm not so sure but certainly this season it, you can't argue that they are where they are um, and they're, they're going to have a tricky tricky task in getting into the Europa League quali- uh, group stage now Darren it's Ali here a couple of congratulations yeah. for you I see you've been working hard on your diploma in applied football management how did that go? Uh, thanks very much um, it was okay it was something that I wanted to since I left school, I always, as I got older, I always wanted something outside of football. Education, it turned out, I ended up trying to get a business management, but it was in applied football, so it didn't really work out. But um, it was something that I went away and did through a PFA. Um, I was delighted I managed to, to do it, and it's something I want to explore and, and do something more in outside of football. Have you got one of those, Andy? Hi, how are you doing, darling? It's Andy. Hi, Andy. I, I was going to ask you about a question on back on your career. I know you had a great career and, and played by a number of clubs, but you experienced different leagues and cultures. How did you find your experiences in the, the likes of India and Ukraine? 
that's probably been the biggest tool I have now uh, going forward, and um, especially in coaching, understanding that every player is individual. Um, I was probably similar to yourself, Andy, very, very strong headed in a dressing room. Um, I believed in my ways of doing things um, and I wasn't shy in letting people know. And probably when I left Celtic and I moved across uh, to Toronto, it changed my whole outlook on, and I don't want to sound too romantic here, but on life, that there's just so many different ways of being as a person. Um, and I looked at the way I probably perceived foreign players coming into the dressing room and I realised when I was the foreign player how difficult it was. And so the experiences were, were the biggest learning curve I've had as a, as a player and a coach now. Um, so it's something that's, that I lean on massively. Um, and it's probably one of the things um, I've taken from my playing career into my coaching career. And, yeah. pre- and presumably, sorry, Andy. Presumably, you would you would then thoroughly recommend that that into to everyone else, to anyone else who who even fleetingly thinks about it. Go for it. Broaden your life experience. Uh, yeah, no. If if I was at Celtic, I would say no. Go and win as many cups and leagues as you can. If you're at a club that is going to win silverware, that is the number one as a footballer. But if you're not, and that was my opinion, I was at a level, listen, I had a good career, but I was never at the, the level that I was going to be a Celtic mainstay for my whole career. I was going to be a squad player. Um, I ended up going abroad. And once I did, I realised you're in it for experiences. I was never going to win silverware at any really high level. Um, so I was big on on making the most of my career and in, in kind of enjoying it as well. Um once I was at Celtic, don't get me wrong, if I had stayed at Celtic my whole career, I'd have preferred that than, than travel abroad. Um, but it depends where you're at in your career. Certainly if you're in that kind of middle group that the majority of us are, where you're not at the very, very elite, um, yes, I would say experience as much as you can. But if you're at a club that, that's winning leagues and cups, that is always, I think, the be-all and end-all for a football player. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I think the thing as well, which will tie into the, the European games that, that the Scottish teams have got ahead, I think when you go to these leagues that... We don't know too much about you. Don't know too much about the players. You you quickly realise there are some technically very good players in these countries. It's just maybe in my in my opinion, I don't know if you agree. I just felt tactically they weren't they didn't have the same football understanding as maybe we've been coached at at, at good levels in Scotland and Britain. Yeah, potentially. I, again, just from my own experience, I went into when I signed for Metalurg Donetsk in Ukraine and. I, let's be honest, I'd never heard of the team before. I, I got a phone call, I listened to the, the contract that was on the table and it was a good one. So I went and I rocked in thinking I was I was going to be their main player and I was technically miles off. I was playing with six, seven Brazilians that probably some of the best footballers have played with. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the Ukrainian players that are now in the national team and with teams like Shakhtar and Dynamo Kiev. Um, these boys, I, I was very much... Uh, I just a run-of-the-mill player and I expected because I was coming from Celtic and an international player I was going to be of a, a very high level for them and I wasn't. Um, so, listen, Latvia is obviously a country that isn't as, as progressive as Ukraine in football but, um, yeah, I'd agree with you that you'd, it would surprise you how technically good these teams are. Now, quite clearly, yeah. they won't have the level of player Celtic do um, and tactically, they won't have the level of coach Celtic do but you absolutely cannot... Um, dismiss these teams just because your knowledge of them isn't very good. Yeah, and it's like going into these games, you know, Celtic playing Riga. You know, we don't know anything about Riga or, or, uh, or the Latvian league, but it's like you said that 
you can't underestimate these teams because technically they do have good players so uh, although it looks like an easy game on paper you know you've played European experience yourself you, you get surprised at how good some of these teams actually ha- actually are in terms of some of their players as well Yeah absolutely and and the other thing I'd point out is no disrespect to the Scottish teams it's just the, the rea- realism of it and I know from playing at Dundee when you play Celtic as a Dundee player you're well aware of Celtic and who they are and and you, you almost go into the game with a, a preconceived idea that you'll do well to hold on to nil all as long as possible. These boys won't have the same fear. They will see Celtic, they'll know about the size of the club and, and that they'll have top players, but they won't have the same hold-ons that the, maybe Scottish players have. So they might come in and, and have a bit more of a go. I don't know how they'll address the game. But there's so many unknowns, and but as I said, I'm, I'm sure... The first team staff aren't unknown. I'm sure they've watched a lot of video footage and they'll know exactly what they're about to face. But yeah, you're spot on in saying that you can't take these teams lightly. Darren, um, it looks like you've got a tough couple of years ahead of you. I see you've been accepted onto the latest UEFA Pro Licence. Has the hard work started yet? It has, yeah. Obviously, kind of disappointingly, it's through Zoom at the minute, um, which... (laughs) the level of candidates on the course, I'd love to be sharing a room with all of them and, and, and hearing all their experiences. But the SFA have, have put on as, as good a possible course at the minute. So, yeah, we're we're um, in full swing at the minute. So, yeah, two years of hard work ahead. Are you so, enjoying it? Um, yeah, it's something that I tried to do um, two years previously, but I, I hadn't had... Um, hadn't, past my licence long enough to, to be accepted on so it's something I've targeted I think if you want to work at the elite level you need it's something you need to go through and then as I said the people that have been accepted on the course just my luck is is there's a very very high level so that's probably the most appealing thing to it is listening to to people that have had brilliant experiences and, and kind of feeding off that Have you got big coaching and managerial targets Darren laid down in front of you? Yeah I do yeah I do and um I'm certainly not going to shout too much from the rooftops, but my my big my big kind of start was I wanted to work at the highest possible level in youth team football. I didn't want to work in first team football um, for the time being. I feel there's so much pressure and it's such a difficult job um, that I wanted to, to work in youth team football. And obviously from my point of view, I'm at the, the highest level I possibly can be at the minute um, in youth team football and, and I'll I'll take my time with that and hopefully then make steps along the way but um, my first step was always to work in, in a kind of elite youth team environment so step one is done I suppose You, you jumped at that coaching opportunity at Motherwell um, but I mean you're at an age where you could you could still be playing I'm not sure how you how you are or were injury wise but certainly in terms of age you, you could have played for a bit longer was, was getting on the coaching ladder always uh, something that was uppermost in your mind? Yeah, yeah no, no I when I say I could still play, I'm sure anyone that watched me would probably say I couldn't. <laughs> but um, no, I, I definitely could have. I, I physically felt I could keep going. Um, but it kind of goes back to the original point of going abroad. I felt I was going through the motions. I was hanging on to football. I could have played at a decent level for a few more years probably. But um, it, was, it was when I was at Dundee, I started to get more excited about going in and coaching the youth team players in the evening than I was going in and training myself. And Anyone that knew me as a player, I loved. I loved training. I loved competing. And when I started to realise I was looking forward to coaching sixteen-year-olds in the evening, um, it was time for me. So Motherwell afforded me an opportunity. I was so lucky to go in there, and the three, three, four months I spent there were invaluable. And I, I have to admit that the, the nicest way I could put it is I was gutted leaving. Um, such good people, such a good club, but I couldn't turn down the opportunity going back to Celtic. So 
Um, yeah, coaching was always in my mind. It's it's kind of hit me. Um, the book hit me sooner than I thought it would. But um, there you go. We know all about Neil Lennon, of course. Um, is it fair to say that John Kennedy is a, a rising star in the in the coaching game? I he, I hear all sorts of good things about him. Yeah, say he's a rising star. He's he's been around longer than you'd actually believe. He's obviously been under Ronnie Doyle. Um, he's been under Brendan Rodgers and now Neil Lennon as as assistant manager. Um, yeah, John's John's fantastic. Um, plays a huge role in in the first team and is invaluable to them. Um, and he's appreciated by all in the club and and obviously through that work is is getting kind of people talking about him out with the club. But he's he's someone that's kind of private and and just gets on with things. But I'm very fortunate I get to share some time with him now and again. Obviously, through coronavirus, I haven't seen him in a while, but um, he's a brilliant support to, to me and all the, the other uh, younger staff and someone you can absolutely learn from. So um, the kind of hype around him is, is justified. He's, he's excellent at his job, and I'm sure I'm sure he's got big aspirations as well. But at the minute, he's, he's um, a busy man and, and working with a, a fantastic manager, Neil Lennon. How good is Neil Lennon at what he does? Because I, I do get the feeling sometimes that uh, some of the fans very quickly uh, jump on him the minute anything goes wrong. but um, and, and a lot of them maybe didn't fancy him when Brendan Rodgers left. He wasn't what they saw as a, as a glamour choice maybe for the job. But uh, he, what, what, he certainly kicked on from there, hasn't he? Yeah, listen, I, I don't think fans j- jump on Neil Lenz, but I think that's the, the nature of the job. Celtic and Rangers, the, the euphoria around results is huge. It's the the pressure you live under playing at, at either club. So I don't think he, he gets scrutinised any more than any other Celtic manager. And maybe there wasn't, it wasn't the, I suppose it's the same at any club. You kind of always want a new sign and a new face. And it's it's always the case where Neil Lennon had been there and done that. Um, and I suppose sometimes fans are looking for the, an exciting new person that they hadn't heard from. But Celtic knew that they had someone that they could bring in and it, it seemed to just be, it was aligned to happen that he was obviously out of work at the time and, and it fit, if you like. Um, and since then, he's, he's absolutely gone on and, and shown the quality he has. But certainly from, from within Celtic, it was a, a decision to bring him back in. I'm sure from the board's point of view, it wasn't really a risky one because he knew he could do the job. Um, and there's not many people you could say that. There's some fantastic managers that, that have man- managed at really good levels and, and it just doesn't work out likewise for players. Neil Lennon was, was tried and tested. You knew what you're getting and he's um, he's proven that again. And is it that sort of intense scrutiny that the the Rangers and Celtic managers get that make you think, I'll take my time, I'll work my way up, I'll learn the ropes and the, there's plenty of time to be getting into first-team football management? Yeah, I think as a, as a, a top level manager, I say a top level manager, any manager, you need to be decisive. You need to be clear in everything you want in in every aspect of the game. So um, any indecision will cost you, and especially at the level these guys are at, the decisions you make are are enormous. So I think for just from my point of view, I wanted to um, be in an environment where I could, I suppose, make mistakes um, and and learn how I wanted things done. And I've been afforded the opportunity to to do that as obviously a, a fantastic club with um, a brilliant infrastructure with top young players. So um, I'm very much a mirror of the players that I'm coaching. I'm looking to develop myself every day, get better, um, improve. 
and hopefully one day I have aspirations, but but I, I certainly see that um, a good bit down the road. Uh, so I'm really enjoying what I do now, um, and I'm very lucky to to have the job I do. Darren, that's been really good to talk to you. Brilliant, guys. Thank you. All the best. Cheers, Darren. Yeah. See you guys, thank you. That's Celtics under-18s manager Darren O'Dea. Get in touch with us, get involved, 0808 17 17 700. Cammy from Cambus Lang is next. The Bull Radio Football Show. What do you want to talk about on the Scottish football front? The airwaves are all yours. 0808 17 17 700 to get in touch or on the texts at 87474 at Go Football Show on the socials. We've just heard from Darren O'Dea talking all things Celtic. We're going to be speaking to an Aberdeen legend after the news at six. That's Willie Miller uh, reacting to uh, today's transfer of Scott McKenna from Aberdeen to Nottingham Forest. But Let's get on the phones with Cammy from Canvas Lang. Hi, Cammy. Hi, guys. How are we doing? Hey, Cammy. How are you doing? What would you like to say, Cammy? I've got a question for uh, Andy. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, the game against Hibs is Rangers' first true, true test of the season, and we failed. We're still not clinical enough and seem to run out of ideas in the final third, and draws don't win championships. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I would agree with you. I don't think it was Rangers' um, best performance by any means of the season. I do feel as if they had enough chances to win the game, uh, but unfortunately couldn't take them. And listen, I, I don't think there's any cause for panic. I don't think it's a massive worry, but I think that Rangers will. They, they do need to realise that, you know, it, there can't be too many of these. Uh, you know, you can't let this one draw against Hibs turn into a blip. So it just makes the game against Motherwell so much more important in a week's time. Do you agree with that, Cammy? Yeah, I agree. I just think. Also, Andy said it can't be a blip. We can't have, like we did last season, too many draws and too many inconsistent performance. But I still feel as if we've started the season off well. The the margins are fine, though, aren't they? Because if that offside flag goes up against Martin Boyle, uh, Rangers probably yeah. win 2-1. Yeah, exactly. And I, it's, it's the nature of the beast that Rangers, we've spoke about how defensively solid they are, the shutouts they've had this season. But then, you know, a couple of mistakes here and there and then people are getting called out, criticised, the team didn't look solid. And I, I think, Credit to Hibs, I think they probably created more big chances against Rangers at the weekend than all the previous seven games combined up against Rangers and they have looked extremely solid but listen, I, I, like I said, I don't think it was their best performance which I think will disappoint the players and the staff more than anything. I, th- I think it was more defensively that Steven Gerrard was disappointed about, wasn't it? You know, rather than you're talking about not taking chances, Andy, yeah. as well. But but I think after a match, his main criticisms were reserved for um, having lost the two goals. Is that is that the way you saw it, Cammy? Is Ryan Jack a big miss when it when you're talking defensively, the protection he offers in front of the central defensive pair, Andy, is he a big miss at the moment? Yeah, I've spoken about it before. I think with the, the the shape and the system that Rangers play, you know they allow their front three to stay high up the pitch as long as possible and and have plenty of freedom so they can hit teams in transition quickly. But you know the the defence have had have had a lot of applauds and deservedly so, and the goalkeeper for the, the amount of clean sheets. But you can't undervalue and underestimate the job that all the midfield uh, all the midfield three do: Stephen Davis, Ryan Jack, Glenn Kamara when he plays, Joe Aribo. Because it's a it's a it's a tough ask. They do they, all three of them do need to play box to box. They need to cover the width of the pitch, and uh, I think Ryan Jack's off the back of a player of the year season at Rangers. He's some he's someone that 
the manager has a lot of trust in. Uh, he's probably one of the first names in the team sheet every single week. So I think in these games, especially when you are going to get tested more, uh, you know the likes of Hibs at Easter Road is certainly a big miss. Are you worried about injuries at the moment, Cami, with with Ryan Jack out and Joe Aribo for a while, um, and Kemar Roof is now on the on the casualty list as well. Yeah, as a worry because obviously you want your full strength squads in every game. I'm just worried that we won't have the likes of Ryan Jack and um, Joe Aribo back for the old form in the coming week. I think they'd be a, a big miss if they were out for that game. Yeah, I, th- I think I read today, Andy, that um, Joe Rebo has been left out of the Nigerian squad for the upcoming internationals, which, which I guess just confirms the, the bleak outlook for, from Steven Gerrard about when he might be back because, I mean, he, he started the season on fire, didn't he? Yeah, I think they've mentioned it's uh, somewhere between four to six weeks, which is obviously a, a substantial period of time where it might take him another further week to get back into full training and get back on the pitch again, but... He's, you know, Ryan Kent's probably been Rangers star of the show this season. After that, for me, it's been Joe Aribo. I think especially, I know maybe not a lot of people, even Rangers fans, may have seen them, but I'd watched the majority of the pre-season games as well. And he just looks, it just looks as if he's took his game up a, a notch. And that's coming from someone that watched him every single day. And in my opinion, he's probably the best trainer at Rangers, which might surprise certain people. But you see the technical ability he's got. Uh, you know, the, the, how, athletic, uh, how athletic he is, sorry. And he's someone that he... He's very rangy, so it's extremely difficult to get the ball off him. And you see how good he is in tight spaces. But you can, you'll look back at the goal he scored against Braga in the Europa League last year. That's something that I've seen him do umpteen times in training. So for me, I think he's a massive miss when, when Rangers don't have him. And he's one even looking further ahead to the first Old Firm game, the, the 17th October. I think it's extremely important to get the likes of Joe and Ryan back. He's probably the last person, Cammy, you wanted to be injured just because of the, the form he was showing. And at, and at times when he's running at you with the ball, he's almost unplayable. Yeah, I mean, he was different class. I watched him in the pre-season friendlies and he was brilliant. Some of the goals, even the passes he was making, well, he was making the team tick, essentially. And him and Ryan Kent, the same team, would be frightening. But it's just unfortunate that he's um, picked up an injury. Cammy, I don't know if you agree. I just think that with the way Rangers play with the midfield three, I think Joe Aribo is probably the one that has different characteristics to the rest of the midfield. He's someone that can drive with the ball. So he's not only brilliant at... You know, out of possession, he's someone that can, he's a ball carrier, so he gets the ball quickly to, between the midfield and the and the strikers, and he's someone that can pose a goal for it as well. Yeah, I do agree. Obviously, in the preseason friendly, that's what it's exactly what he was doing. He was bringing the team up the pitch, and he was really helping the team out. Essentially, I think that's something that they've missed from like the Hadji. I think I don't know if Jet, I don't know, you just know Bell and me. If Jet wants some, if wants Hadji to do similar to Joe Rebo, but I, I think Rangers midfield's are its best with Joe Rebo in it. Is Hadji going to be the player that Steven Gerrard uh, thought he was going to be when he turned that loan into a permanent move, Andy? I think that the thing about Yanis is he was he was probably one of the shining lights in a in a poor run of form between Rangers for January to the end of the season. So I was certainly wasn't surprised when they went and acquired him in the summer. Uh, I don't think we've seen, in my opinion, the same level of performances. I think that he's last three performances have been better I thought against Hamilton he was good I thought against Dundee United he was excellent and uh, although I don't think he was outstanding against Hibs I think he had moments where he, where he could, hurt, it could hurt Hibs and that's something that I think that that Yanis uh, does really well even if he's maybe not on top of his game he has two or three moments within the game that can change the, the outcome of the match you know he, his involvement in the in the Scott Arfield goal he had, uh, he had a couple of chances himself so like I, I don't think over the last few years Rangers have had enough match winners 
which I do think Yanis Hadji is one of them. So I, I was happy that they, they they acquired him in the summer, but I don't think we've seen the, the best Yanis Hadji yet. You've just mentioned him, and he's a player I think is top class, and he hasn't been getting in the starting lineup much recently. He has started uh, the last couple of games. Um, Scott Arfield, Cammy, how, how do you rate him? I really like Scott Arfield, to be fair. I feel that every time he plays, he's, he runs beyond the striker. He's not afraid to make those runs, and he's a goal threat as well. You know, he's came, he scored against Dundee, subbed on against Dundee, scores, also scores at the weekend there against Hibs and was unfortunate to miss. Misses a lot chance, but I, I really like him. I really rate him, and he's really important at the moment, Andy. Obviously, because yeah. of the 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 player absences we're talking about. Yeah, and I, he, Scott's someone that I can't speak highly enough in in terms of even a squad squad member. And listen, you know if you ask him, he wants to be playing every single week. But the way he trains every single day, setting standards. If he plays, he he performs. If he doesn't play, he never causes a fuss or an issue. And I think any time he's been called upon this season, he's been excellent. And uh, I thought I thought by a a landslide he was Rangers best performing, uh, performer at the weekend uh, you know, Cammy just mentioned it there he's someone that's willing to drive forward he's always trying to exploit spaces whether it's in, be, in between the, the back four and the midfield or in behind and, uh, you know, I talked about Joe Aribo being a bit more of a ball carrier between uh, the midfield and the, the front four, uh, the front three sorry you know, Scotty's won that and it's constantly running off the ball and, and to play against someone against that like that it's extremely difficult so uh, you know he's someone I can't speak highly enough, and he's a huge asset to Rangers squad. Yeah, he was certainly man of the match at Easter Road, but man of the moment, man of the season so far for Rangers, definitely Ryan Kent. Probably, maybe, arguably the player, uh, the best player in Scottish football um, so far this season. Uh, and Cami, he's presumably for you instrumental for Rangers this season if you are to do what you want to do, which is stop Celtic. Yeah, Ryan Kent key for me. I think if we lost. Ryan Kent, that would be a bigger loss than losing Morelos. I think Ryan Kent so far this season has been the best player in the league. And even his attitude, you know, he's linked with teams like, like Leeds and then 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 show that it affected them and carried on scoring goals. I said it at the time, Andy, that when when all that transfer speculation was going around about Leeds, that it actually seemed to galvanise him into even better performances. So, some players are, are thrown out of kilter by lots of transfer talk going on but uh, he produced even better stuff. Yeah, I think his performances in, uh, since he's won a Rangers shot have, been, have always been good. I just think that he, his progression was he had to add those numbers to his game. I think I, I don't know the exact number, but I think it was six, maybe six or seven goals last year. For someone of his quality, knowing how good he is, that's not enough. And he's, he, he's kicked on already this season with four and eight, so he's shown an improvement in that side of his game. But his performances have, have been outstanding and, and I agree with Cammy. I, I think it's unthinkable this year to lose Ryan Kent. So when I heard about the uh when I heard about the speculation between him and Leeds, it, it, to be honest, it did worry me because I know I know the ambitions he's got to, to play at the highest level and he's he's linked with a team uh, a team in the Premier League. But I also know how happy he is at Rangers and how much trust the manager and the fans have in him. So I know how much he enjoys his football here, so it's it's brilliant to see that that even that bit of speculation hasn't affected him. If, if anything, it's actually kicked him on even further. And what's what's he like uh, up up close and personal, if you like? Because you're just a few months out the door from Rangers, so you know exactly uh, what he's like to to train with, to to play with. What type of guy is he? He's very quiet. He's someone that keeps himself to himself, but he's someone that performs in big games, which is what I appreciate about him the most. He's someone that, you know, if uh, if I'm in the team for a European game an old firm I look in front of me and I know that I, I'm going to get a good Ryan Kent today and it's so important that 
when you when you're at a club like Rangers and you've got the expectation and the pressure to play well and win every game, you know Ryan Kent's a tape up well you do want alongside you. So, like I said, uh, not only this season, I hope they keep a lot uh, a hold on as as long as possible because he's outstanding. Cami, thanks for your call. Hopefully that answered your your question and you made your points. So thanks for getting in touch with the Go Radio yeah. Football Show. Thank you. That was Cammy and Cammy's Lang talking Rangers there. We're going to be talking Celtic again shortly. We're talking Motherwell as well. Their big match in Israel uh, tomorrow night. We're going to be talking Aberdeen too. The departure of Scotland defender Scott McKenna. That's next. The Bull Radio Football Show. Football chat is what we do and uh, we'd like you to be part of it as well. Cammy from Canvas Lang uh, was chatting with Andy Halliday just a short time ago. Uh, you can get through to the show as well on 0808 17 17 700. Ali, how else? <laughs> that was so laboured, I loved <laughs> I know, it. I know, exactly. You can give it to me, text 87474, put go at the start of it or you can uh, drop us a wee message on our socials at Go Football Show if you want to slide into our DMs, they are open. It's been a long week and it's only Wednesday. <laughs> You're doing tremendous, Rob. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, Rob McLean, Ali Defoy, and uh, former Rangers player Andy Halliday is with us in the studio whoop as whoop. well. Uh, a whoop whoop for him. <laughs> Darren Adee was with us earlier. We're going to talk now about the fact that uh, Scotland defender Scott McKenna of Aberdeen has signed for Nottingham Forest. That's been finalised today for what the Dons call a club record fee. The centre-back, who has 18 caps, joins on a four-year contract in a deal that could be worth, it is alleged, up to about £6 million. McKenna came through the Aberdeen youth ranks, of course, made his debut in 2016, and he played round about 120 games. There's been talk about him moving for a long, long time. Let's talk to the Aberdeen legend, Willie Miller. Hi, Willie. Hi, Rob. How are you? How was the golf today? Oh, dreadful, dreadful. Move on. <laughs> Move on swiftly. Let's not talk about it. Let's talk about the part you no. played, or you were certainly very involved, weren't you, in the development of uh, Scott McKenna through through the academy at, at Aberdeen and, and up to top team level and now this big move for him? Yeah, sure. Um, you, you know, remember Scott from way back, he was part of a group of players that uh, developed into an international uh, status. Uh, Ryan Fraser was another one, uh, you, you know, little and large, I suppose. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> Ryan Jack uh, too. So they, they were all in, in the same group, round about the same age. Um and Scott has developed now uh, from quite a wiry type midfield player into this colossus of a, a centre-back that uh, really has made his mark uh, both at club level and international level. It's hard to see him as a wiry midfielder at the moment, the way he is. Well, I can assure you that's what he was. Um, I mean, he was always very focused, a good listener, um, Scott. But, uh, you know, the development of his shape, his body, his... his his position as well has has changed over the years, but you know when you're in development, uh, you, you know that that's going to happen. You know that uh, different players develop at different uh, stages, and uh, Scott's worked really hard to get that physique and uh, you know develop into the player that, that he is uh, at present. And he deserves his move. I think it was inevitable that he was going to move down south. Um, you know, he had Aston Villa on his tail what about a season ago, but a year ago, and um, that was turned down. Uh, because of the timing and it was a big move for him at, at that time but uh, now um, you know he's got his move eventually he deserves it he's a very very good player and uh, you know Derek McInnes has talked about him being a joy to work with as well so um, you know a good all round professional What was the figure at the time Willie when, when he was on the brink it seemed of, of joining Aston Villa was it, a, was it 7 million was that the figure? 
I think it was, yeah. Yeah, I think the club were hoping for more. Um, you know, I'm not too sure. These, these figures get banded about and you're never too sure just exactly how accurate they are because there's a lot of add-ons onto them. I, I suppose the the best figure is a figure that you're going to get in your pocket just now and uh, I think most clubs are, are requiring that. Certainly Aberdeen uh, have got a big uh, black hole financially just now to fill and I'm not surprised that uh, they've taken the offer from Forrest. Yeah, because I think we're, I think what we're talking about at the moment is maybe around about six million in total, but but maybe three million of that sounds like it is the down payment, and the rest is going to be add-ons and of course the all-important sell-on clause for Aberdeen. I think they, I think they get twenty-five percent of a of any future uh, transfer yeah. deal. Is that right? Yeah, well, I, I would think that uh, it's always round about that sort of a figure, twenty twenty-five percent. Um, I, I think most clubs would take that on board, uh, the amount that's been spent and developing players, of course, at Aberdeen is huge. So they've got to get compensated in, in some way. They're getting the three million, the possibility of, of, of add-ons, um, and they'll get that uh, that sell-on as well. And um, I think that's only fair to the club uh, because there's a load of players that don't actually uh, make it to, to, to the same level that, that Scott uh, has made it to. And, uh, you know, you've got to be able to pay for that through the development programme and one way of paying for it, of course, is transfer fees. And for me, it's a, it's a great story. It's a great story for Neil Simpson, who now uh, runs the, the development programme at Aberdeen. You know, if you're trying to convince players to come to Aberdeen rather than going to Celtic Rangers, which is always a, a huge task, I think you give them the story that players are developed at the Dons uh, and they get a chance at the first team. And then once they get into the first team, if the right offer comes in, they're allowed to go as well and further career, uh, both financially and professionally, down south. Willie, it's Ali here. Um, I was just having a wee think about, obviously, the game on Sunday against Motherwell. But if we forget that result um, and, and think about Derek McInnes' yeah, side... I'm not even going to actually mention it. But are you enjoying the way Derek McInnes' team are playing at the moment? Up until, until uh, Sunday, yeah. yeah. It's been pretty good. Um, I think the first game of the season was a bit disappointing against Rangers. Um, the St. Johnson game was the next game, which wasn't great. But since then, um, you know, Derek's been employing this back three uh, information and it's worked extremely well. They're looking, you know, really solid and well organised. They're not scoring a lot of goals, but Sam Cosgrove is out. You've got to remember that. The bulk of Aberdeen's goals last season came from him and he's been out injured all season. So it's it's been... You know, a quite a positive start up until the Motherwell game, I think, for for Derek and the team. Uh, but there is that uh, that that issue of uh, perhaps not scoring as many goals as he should, but looking really strong defensively. Hi, Willie, it's Andy. I know you mentioned that um, Aberdeen are looking strong defensively. They've got the likes of, you know, Considine and Ash Taylor, Tommy Hoban, and obviously mm-hmm. our next teammate, I mean Ross McCrory, who's doing really well. Uh, yeah. Do you expect Derek McInnes to? You know, dip into the transfer market with, with some of the McKenna money. Or, you know, obviously, now they've de- they've deployed the back three. Or do you think Derek's happy with what they've got? Um, well, you know, managers are never happy with what they've got. Um, <laughs> True story. I, I think he was quoted. I think he was quoted, Derek, as saying that they had anticipated this move and they had brought players in to uh, to give them cover rather than him now looking for uh, you know some of these funds to to, to go towards new players. Uh, the, the, the players did take uh, a wage deferral, but it's only a deferral, so that these wages have got to be paid in the new year. I think the chairman says it was a black hole of circa five million. 
um, that he's trying to he's trying to fill just now. So I, I don't know. I, I think I think that the board of directors have been really supportive of Derek uh, th- th- this this season. Um, you know, in very difficult circumstances. I think the money that's coming from Scott McKenna will have to go into that black hole, I'm afraid. I don't think Derek will see too much of it. I'm not saying that he won't get any of it. I think he might, and I'm sure he'll put up a case to get some of it, but I don't think it'll be a lot. So maybe a loan, Willie, if he is going to bring in somebody else that might be a, a young player from a big club in England, maybe on, on loan to get, a, to get a season's experience? I would think so, yeah. Um, I, I don't think it'll be you know any huge transfers going out of Aberdeen, but I think you know, Derek wants to uh, strengthen the squad a little bit by taking in loan players, and he's, he's worked that well over the years. Then I think that uh, the, the chairman would be okay with that. Um, but I can't really see a you know a huge amount of that money going mm. in terms of strengthening the squad. I think the, the squad is pretty well strengthened anyway. You know, they've got strength and depth. There's not too many young players on the bench uh, this season, so. Um, I think it would be if they thought there was a position or positions that needed strengthening that they would go and look for a loan scenario that wouldn't cost them too much. Although the immediate experience of life without McKenna wasn't great, as you say, against Motherwell, uh, three down in, in 23 minutes, Ash Taylor hooked at half time. Um, yeah. You know, how do you think they're going to get on without him in the in the longer term? Yeah, well, no, no disrespect to Ash because eh, I actually quite like him as a player, but. Uh, <laughs> He did well. He lasted half time on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was he was seriously all over the place. Um, it's it's strange. You know, when I look back on Scott McKenna's uh, impact at Aberdeen, he came into the game a Motherwell. It was against Motherwell, if you can catch your memory back, uh, down at uh, Fir Park, and it was just after uh, Aberdeen um, had been battered with Motherwell the game before. I think they played Motherwell twice in the space of a week and. Scott McKenna was unleashed upon them down at uh, at Fir Park, and he was he, he, he was immense in that game, and he hasn't looked back since. Uh, you know, you're talking about what a 24 year old that's got 16 caps for Scotland. You know, when I was 24, I had two caps for Scotland, um, so he's made a huge impact uh, as a player. Um, and Aberdeen's going to miss him, that's for sure. They certainly missed him on Sunday, um, but you know, he's got a great opportunity now to go on and. You know, really uh, make a, a name for himself down south. I don't think that the championship would be, you know, his end game. I think he's good enough to play in the Premier League. Yeah, talking about missing players as well. You know, Aberdeen's good start to the season has been without their talisman, Sam Cosgrove. Uh, how much do you mm-hmm. think that uh, he'll be a massive benefit to the squad when he's back? I, I'm sure they want him for this Sporting Lisbon game as well. Is there any any need to full fitness? I haven't. Uh, I haven't read anything in the papers or head heard that uh, he's, he's close to coming back. I think. Um, I think after the. Yeah. I think after the next international break, Willie is the. Yeah. Is when he's going to be ready. But I think he's. I think he's almost there. But not quite. Not certainly not for tomorrow. But but he's maybe a couple of weeks, two or three weeks away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think he had such a, a purple patch. Um, you know, last season for a period, and you know he just couldn't stop scoring. And whenever Aberdeen scored, you obviously assumed that it was going to be Sam Cosgrove. Um. But you know, you know, when you've got that big, tall striker up front, sometimes the, the pattern of play changes, and it's a more more direct uh, style of play. I think this season with Ross McCrory in midfield, I think midfield has been very good. Um, Aberdeen have built it up from the back, so I think the style could possibly change when Cosgrove comes back. But 
you know, he scores that many goals. I think he'll be a, he's a huge miss. He is a huge miss just now. They're doing extremely well without them. But I think uh, Derek McInnes will be looking forward to getting them back in the fray, giving them more options up front as well and, and more goals. Willie, I'm going to turn it back to you for a second. Sir Alex Ferguson described you as the best penalty box defender in the world. How did it feel and where were you when you heard that? On the floor. Well, <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't think it was always like that. I don't think he was too impressed when he first came to the club. Was he, was he, sometimes, he, was a, was he sometimes not so complimentary to you, Willie? Well, in the early days, in the early days, but once he got to know me. <laughs> once uh, he saw you play. Then, then it was fine. It was fine after that. Um, no, I, well, that, that's where I played. You know, I didn't like uh, going outside the penalty box either. Um, I, I, I preferred to play somewhere around about but 30 yards to the goal line and often spotted behind Jim Leighton at times. <laughs> uh, I like to play that deep. Um, I wasn't the quickest, so, you know, I think it was the uh, sharpness of the mind rather than my pace that got me through uh, my career. So uh, my best work was probably done in the penalty box. Aye, that's our penalty box, not the opposition <laughs> penalty box. One or two important goals I seem to remember as well. But Willie, what about, what, what about the class of 2020? Uh, I mean... <laughs> Let's uh, let's put down the, the the result against Motherwell as a bad day at the office, and and mm-hmm. think about what had happened in the the six wins on the bounce before that. I mean, I must admit, I, w- I was watching Aberdeen and thinking, could they get in about Rangers and Celtic? Could they be a factor at the top end of the of the Premiership? What do you think? Well, yeah, before Saturday, um, before Sunday, rather than I, I think we were all of the same mind because. We all probably watched Aberdeen against Hibs and, you know, Hibs have had a great start to the season, a good result against Rangers and you're thinking after Aberdeen really looked so comfortable in winning that game down Easter Road that, you know, perhaps they could do that, perhaps they could, you know, mess Rangers and Celtic about. And I think that it's still a possibility. You know, I would put Sunday down to a one-off game because, you know, they haven't shown that weakness uh, so far this season. But, of course, McKenna's away now. So, you know, he played a huge part in that uh, solid defensive performances that we've seen for most of this, this season. So I think we have to just maybe take breath and see how they how they go without uh, without Scott McKenna. But they've got a strong squad. I, I can still see them having a very a good season this season. Whether you know they can get close to Rangers and Celtics another matter because both of these teams are you know high quality. Uh, but we just have to wait and see. Rob, we can always live in hope, can't we? To be fair, you're in fourth position with two games in hand, so it's a, a not it's a pretty good position to be in, I think, for the start. Well, it is, yeah, but they can't afford any more uh, performances like uh, like Sunday. You know, it was for really sure. uh, inept. Uh, you know, defensively poor and not really causing Motherwell. Although, to be fair, I thought Motherwell were excellent. I thought they showed the yeah. hunger and an appetite for the game and an organisation that uh, that. that you know, really made it difficult for Aberdeen. But no, I, I think, you know, looking at Motherwell, looking at Aberdeen, looking at Hibs, and I think you've got, uh, certainly of the teams that I've seen this season, you've got three teams there. If Motherwell can keep that form up, Aberdeen find their uh, their recent form back again. And, you know, Hibs have had a great start to the season. So there's three clubs there that, you know, should surely make it difficult. And Hibs have made it difficult for Rangers recently. Surely these three clubs can make it difficult for the old firm.
Let's talk, Willie, about Ross McCrory. Uh, his name tends to crop up on this show just about every night, uh, usually because of the way he's the way he's been playing. A lot, some Rangers fans uh, may be disappointed that he's taken off quite so spectacularly, um, having been let go by Rangers. But I guess one of the problems that he poses for a manager, and maybe Derek is experiencing it at the moment, is where do you play him? You know, sometimes maybe you'd, you'd like both of the McCrory's uh, together and play them in different positions. He played wing back in, in Norway last week yeah. in Europe he played right of the, the back three uh, to start with uh, on mm-hmm. Sunday and then he was moved yeah. back in where I think many people feel is his best position right in the engine room of the midfield alongside Lewis Ferguson what do you think? Yeah well you, you know that that's a problem when you're versatile and you know when you can play in, in many positions he's, he's looked more comfortable in midfield I must admit I didn't think uh, right centre back to look particularly comfortable, and I didn't think that it looked comfortable wing back uh, either in the European game um, down that right hand side. It was good going forward, but I thought positional wise, uh, defensively, was a little bit uncertain for me. He's shown his class when he's been popped into the midfield area. Um, you know, I, I think that's where he would be happier himself. I think him and Lewis Ferguson would make uh, a really good combination, which will probably upset Rangers fans even more when I say that. Andy's saying nothing. That would be a strong midfield for me. You, you know, and you'll get Ryan Hedges who's playing uh, really well just now. If you had the M3 together, I think that would be a combination that uh, I would be more than happy to see in a number of occasions at Petaudry in midfield. And just before you go, Willie, your thoughts on Sporting Lisbon uh, tomorrow night? Um, obviously, we're not entirely sure what sort of team the the Portuguese are going to be able to put out, but what are your what are your thoughts? It's it's obviously, these are one-off games. Can Aberdeen do it? Obviously, they can do well, it. Will, well, they, will they do it? Well, to coin a, a Chet Young phrase, I've got an exclusive <laughs> for you. Um, <laughs> I actually got a call from a Portuguese uh, reporter today, and I did a little bit for Portuguese radio. Oh, hey, out you've the, arrived out, out the blue, out the blue, I must say. Uh, and they did call me Mister Willie, right enough. So, <laughs> um, and and they were talking about. The, the, I asked him a question, you know, how many players um, and he had, could possibly be out of the Sporting Lisbon uh, team, and he was talking about up to eleven, um, but that was including the manager. But he also said that. That they had the uh, COVID test going on, um, and they were waiting for the result. So it's a little bit uncertain how many of the players will be out. But he did say that they would look to their younger players, and I'm sure that uh, they've got some excellent younger players uh, on the book. So I think it will be difficult for Aberdeen, no matter what team they put out. But I, th- I still think there's hope. But they need to find the form again that they showed before Sunday. Mr. Willie, good to hear from you. Perfect, <laughs> Rob. All the best. Just can't believe you called him that. Don's <laughs> legend. <laughs> He's a Don's legend, guys. Willie Miller. Cheers, Willie. Bye-bye. Cheers, Willie. Bye-bye. 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 The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. And Ali Defoy and Andy Halliday in the studio with us for a Wednesday. And Andy is feverishly working on his combined Rangers and Celtic 11. Uh, who would you put in a combined team at the moment? 
Um, and he's not working on it at all, but he will be now that I've mentioned <laughs> it, won't you? He's starting to worry now. Wow, what a question. <laughs> no, right it was a producer's spot. idea. Uh, it's a product of a troubled mind, clearly. Um, <laughs> we're looking ahead to European football this week. Four teams involved tomorrow. Let's hope we've still got four teams in the Europa League qualifiers come Friday. It's Riga against Celtic, six o'clock tomorrow. So we'll have uh, team news for you around five when we go on air tomorrow. And we'll obviously have news of that game as it progresses through the first half on the Go Radio Football Show as well. Half six start for Motherwell in Israel against Hapel Beersheva. Then it's Rangers in Holland against Willem Twe and Aberdeen in Portugal against Sporting Lisbon. Eight o'clock starts for both of those. Now, if you want to get in touch, here's how. Absolutely. Jump on the socials at Go Football Show if you're on uh, and into that or maybe you want to drop us a text 87474 put Go at the start of your message and then the rest of your message. Remember, it's a normal network rate, nothing extra special there on your price. And you can give us a wee call. Do it. James has done. He's a Rangers fan. 0808 17 17 700. You can give us a call on that number. Hi, James. How are you? I'm very well. How are you all doing this evening? All right? Yeah, well, Good. thanks. What would you like to say? You're through to Andy Halliday. Andy, pleasure to speak to you. Uh, thank you for being on uh, our Rangers podcast, Heart in Hand, uh, which I know you, you came on with a couple of the guys there, so we really appreciate that. Just wonder, from your point of view, having been involved in the squad before, what's that final wee piece? Where do we need to strengthen in order to start winning titles? What's the final wee piece of that jigsaw in order to get us winning those titles? Uh, oh. I mean, if I had the definitive answer, I think I should be in Stephen Gerrard's coaching <laughs> position. <laughs> Quite right. <laughs> Uh, listen there's been a lot of talk about another midfielder I think that will certainly help uh, I think the main position I would like to see them strengthen is probably the right of that front three uh, I know there's been a lot of talk about Daniel Johnson being the, the potential one to come into the squad and I think that will be a real benefit to the team I'd, I've said it uh, a couple of times I said it earlier on the show that I think that over the last sort of two or three years I don't think we've had enough match winners. Uh, if the team's not playing well, you know, try to grind out that result. Someone that can change the change the outcome of a game and win a match for you. I look at the team just now. I see Ryan Kent can certainly change a match. Alfredo can certainly change a match. Yanis can, but I think um, consistently, I don't think he's had his best performances this year. But I know the level that he can get to. Uh, so for me, I would love to see, you know, someone coming in that. Um, that, that spot in the right of the front three and, and make the position their own just like uh, Ryan Kent has done on the other side James is there a missing piece in the jigsaw? I think well you know we've not won anything yet uh, under Steam Jazz so we've got to we've got to find a way to get that sorted um, and I think that I think what Andy's saying is right in terms of like either an attacking player or someone in that kind of more midfield role uh, that provides competition um, I think we've got a really really strong first 11 uh, probably the strongest in the country I would say in terms of first 11 you know, in terms of that depth, if we can improve on that depth to give more competition for places, I think that's I think that's the answer from my point of view. Do Rangers need Alfredo Morelos, Andy, um, to to get the title this season? If if he were to go, if the Rangers' price was to be met by Lille or whoever, um, is there enough goals in the team without him? I mean, listen, they've went out and spent you know quite a few million quid to to obviously bolster the attacking options with Kamal Roof and Cedric Itton. I don't think I've seen enough to them to classify them as, as Alfredo Morelos' level. Uh, that's not me writing them off. I've just not seen enough. And 
And we don't really. I mean, are, are they out and out goal scorers? Is is that their yeah, game? I don't know. We, we probably don't know yet, do we? I mean, when you look at their record, they've certainly got good goal scoring records. But if if I'm if I'm looking to win a title this year, I don't want to be losing my thirty goal a season striker. So I think it's, I think it's paramount to keep a hold of him and Ryan Kent. Uh, you know, James just mentioned their midfield. I, I, I do agree because I, if I look at the team at the weekend, for example. You know, Ryan Jack and Joe Aribo, for sure, if they're available, will be a massive benefit uh, benefit to the squad. But over the course of a season, you're going to have a couple of injuries. And losing the two at the weekend, I looked at the bench, and Rangers had a goalkeeper, four defenders on the bench. Jamie Burjonis, who uh, you know, I know first-hand's a good player, but he's played you know five, five games, uh, maybe five, six, seven games for Rangers, if that. So like, uh, like James says and when they're talking about a squad going to win the title I do I do also agree with them that I think another midfielder could certainly be a benefit I mean James obviously Andy's going to be uh, comparing the two squads shortly and he's going to be putting together a composite team uh, just thought I'd remind him again there that that's what he's got to do in the next I'll uh, be biased James don't worry hour. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might be um, 11 how... Rangers players that's all I'm going to do <laughs> but James how do you feel when you look across the city at what Celtic have got how do Rangers and Celtic compare at the moment uh, you know as things stand with still a bit of transfer window left you know, I'm I'm very very happy as I say with our with our first eleven. If we've got a stronger squad on the day up against theirs, I wouldn't have any fears. To be honest with you, I think we're a really really good strong squad. I think we're competitive in terms of the striking options. I think it's really really solid in that respect. As I say, if we can get some more midfielders in, if we can, you know, we're doing well in terms of the central defenders. We're getting a bit more competition there now as well. Um, it's just that midfield area. I think if we can just get one or two more guys in there, that just can help provide that competition, provide that drive which is something that I know Andy always gave us when he was with Rangers in terms of that desire to play for Rangers and to desire to do everything you can in training to make sure that you're going to be in that starting living. Um, I think if we did that, then I think we're in really good shape. And no one had to tell, tell you, Andy, to deliver 100% every game. Yeah, I mean, listen, no matter what team I play for, my passion for football is always going to make me give 100%. But of course, you know, wearing the jersey, the team that I supported since I was a boy, obviously gave me that extra onus and... And along came with that, came a lot of expectation as well, which I, I was always going to thrive on. And listen, I don't think that you know, there's opinions that there. people might think I wasn't good enough or, or I was brilliant or I was average, but I don't think anyone can ever can say, you know, question my commitment and my and my desire to do well for the football club. And like I touched on before, I'm I'm certainly now I've left, I've got absolutely no bitterness whatsoever or, or you know, no down feeling about the club. It's, it's just trying to support on the other side of the fence now which I've done so you know, plenty of times before and you had a great relationship with Stephen Gerrard I mean he, he said some really complimentary things about you in your time there didn't he? yeah and I've spoken about it before I do agree with James I think this season Rangers do have to win something but for me I know if Rangers don't win something I know there might be a lot of calls for is, is Stephen Gerrard the right man for the job but I can only go from the experience that I've had with other managers the experience of managers I've had at Rangers I, I know how much improvement that he's brought to the team I, I think we've seen that on the pitch um, you know, domestically we haven't won anything yet. European level, we've we've seen a clear, you know, improvement. And I think he do, he has progressed the team uh, year to year. And I do feel as if he's the right man for the job. So not only am I wishing Rangers the the best of luck this year, I, also I, I hope that you know Stephen Gerrard you know, brings is the one that brings success to the team as well. James, thanks for your call. Pleasure. All thanks, the James. Cheers, James. That was James, and this is Jordan from East Kilbride. Hi, Jordan. How you all doing? You all right? Very well, how are you? Good. I kind of really answered my question. I was up, what I was actually coming on to speak about was Rangers have been getting quite a lot of sticks recently. Um, and I was actually just 
when you ask Andy what he actually thinks he needs Rangers to add to the squad really you know yeah. what I mean yeah I just touched on it there I, I, I do feel as if the starting 11 is is more than capable of competing for the title and, and, and you know try to end uh, Celtic's run a, a league titles I do feel as if the squad depth is somewhere that we can look to improve but if I am trying to improve the starting 11 uh, I do feel as if you know someday just match winners are so important and uh, you know I, you look at it I think that Ryan Kent is probably the first name in the team sheet every week I would love to see you know, another member of that front three on the right-hand side be the first name in the team sheet every week. I think Yanis Hadji, I know what his top level is. Uh, I don't think we've seen it yet this season. Uh, but consistency, you know, when you're going to try and win, uh, you know, titles is, is obviously extremely important. And and I think that, you know, he'll he'll welcome, you know, competition in that side uh, as well. So I think it is, uh, I think that's a, an area of the, of the starting 11, if I'm looking to improve, I think could be the one. You've touched on yeah. this. You've touched on this, Andy, already. Why have so many of Rangers' best performances under Steven Gerrard been in European football? Uh, I mean, it's difficult. I do think it's it's a credit to the work that, that, that the staff and the players put in, you know, during the week and try to prepare for whatever task comes ahead. I, I've touched on it before. Why I do feel that that Steven Gerrard and Michael Beale are so good is is as players. You know, your instruction as a team is always so clear. Your role as a player is always so clear. And I think it just lets you go out with the freedom to to just follow instruction and just play the game. And I think that we're very, very articulate in how we approach European games. We know that we might not have the same, you know, possession as we have in uh, in domestic games. But we we do have the players in the pace within the team that can hurt, uh, hurt teams in, in transition and on the counter-attack. And I think, that's a, I think that's a style of play that we adopted really well in European football. You know, we've beat the likes of you know, Feyenoord, Porto, Braga, you know, Legia, Warsaw. Top, it's a, top opposition. It's, it's good opposition. You, you know, let's be honest, uh, we've probably went into a lot of the games as, as the underdog, but we never had the underdog mentality. We knew that we had the the had the, the, the talent and quality within the, within the team to, to obviously hurt them. And, and I do think it, a lot of that is just down to the preparation that we had every single week. How do you feel, Jordan, about the way the season is shaping at this stage? Are you feeling good about the, the prospects of Rangers staying where they are, which is top of the Premiership? I, I, I'm i happy with the way things are going. To be honest. I, I said uh, to a couple of my friends out there that Rangers are due to concede a goal and it was bound to happen at some point. I mean, look at the amount of good goals we were conceding last year. But I just think maybe with Ryan Jackson, I think we need a couple of bodies in to give us that, that the Mr Rangers basically do you know what I mean like we've got Ryan Jack he's obviously out for a bit Andy's desire I'm not just saying that because he's sitting on the, on the, on the shoulder now but we need that we need that someday it's going to be Rangers if you know what I mean do you know what I mean do you think there will be more Rangers action in the transfer market? We spoke about Daniel Johnson already in the show um, and yeah. his, his impending move from, from Preston. Anywhere else in, in that team, Andy, that, that Rangers might make a move? I'm pretty happy with how the, the squad is just now. I do think that one or two improvements is is where the, the club will go and I do expect to see some movement in that respect over the next couple of weeks. But you know, just with the way the, the pandemic is just now, the market has been slow. I'm sure that um, you know Stephen Gerrard would like to get all his business done before the, the domestic campaign even started. So, you know, we still got a, I think it's a month or so left in the market. Couple of, week, of October, or a couple is of it? weeks. Of October. So we still got a couple of weeks left in the market. I'm pretty sure that we're going to have plenty. You know, speculative uh, speculation. Speculation. What was that? Speculation. Because <laughs> eh? you haven't had your coffee, that's what it exactly. is. Exactly. Uh, I'm sure we're going to see. Spe- <laughs> <laughs> don't, just don't. I'll say for you, speculation. I'm sure Andy. we're going to see plenty of speculation Here's from you. now to the 5th of October. Is there, uh, is there maybe an argument? You coming back then? 
<laughs> oh no, I can't, I can't see that. I can't see that. But the market has been slow. I think we're going to see plenty of movement for now to uh, the fifth October. And I do expect to see another couple. And I'm I'm hoping Daniel Johnson is one. He's one that, like I said when I heard it, it, it gave me plenty of excitement. But you know, other than that, uh, I I do think they'll bring one or two more in. Transfer rumours. Was that what you meant? Transfer rumours with that. <laughs> no, no, it's probably, no, it's probably, easy, it's probably easy, easier to say than speculative. That's why I changed it the second time. I wasn't trying that again. We've, we've got 20 minutes left. It's that govern education. But I guess, I guess Jordan, that, that um, Rangers have been unlucky in terms, you know, if, if you're, if you're wanting, wanting players injured, you know, you, you certainly didn't want Joe Aribo injured and you didn't want Ryan Jack out either because of the integral role he plays in the shape of the team. Yeah, I just think we need somebody that's going to give us that that like I say Mr Rangers do you know what I mean because like Ryan Jack being injured he's always the first one on the team sheet do you know what I mean so I think we need that when he's not there do you know what I mean somebody that's going to step up to the plate and give us that but apart from that I'm very happy and I do think we'll, we'll stop ten. Jordan huh? Rob has asked Andy to come up with a, a starting 11 combined Celtic Rangers who would be yeah. your if you could only choose one person for Andy to have in your team who would you suggest? Out of the team right now. Yep. Well, I don't know. No, Actually, no, just, Rob, no, I think, in general. No, I think you were asking just one. I think it's probably too much for Jordan to come up with all eleven, not off the top of his head, maybe. But but, but who would be your stick on? Who can't, who can't miss out? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to say Ryan Jack. Ryan, Ryan Jack. Jack. Right, he's in. Well, you <laughs> no matter what, he's in. I think you'd probably have Ryan Kent in there as well. He's probably you a stick you on. Can't, you can't. You can't fault him. Like I was probably when Ryan Jack first came in, I was probably his biggest advocate, to be honest. But when whatever Stephen Gerrard's done when he's come in, he's, he's certainly my first name on the team sheet if I was a manager. Yeah. He's, he's attitude and everything the way he applies himself. Jordan, I think it speaks volumes, uh, volumes as well that that he is the first name in the team sheet in every big game. And I think you know, I think Stephen Gerrard's mentioned in, in loads of interviews and press conferences that he does have so much trust in Ryan Jack in these big games. So I think, like I said, I think that, that just shows how much he values him as a player as well. And I think people forget... He's just came off the back of a play of the year season at Rangers. And, uh, you know, there was a few good performers last year, albeit it was a disappointing end to the season. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think he's such an integral part of Rangers squad. Jordan, thanks for your... Have a good time ahead anyway. Fingers <laughs> crossed. Sure. Optimistic from Jordan. Thanks for your call. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers. And Andy, you're getting on, on okay with that team. So you've got two Ryans in the team, have you? Ryan Jack, Ryan Kent. So you've oh, only got nine to, nine, nine to find. And Just you've Andy got... Halliday for all of them. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'll get a good goal, but listen, it's going to spark plenty of debate. I'm prepared for it. We're going to hear from uh, Neil Lennon, the Celtic manager, and uh, Stephen Robinson, the Motherwell manager. That's on the way. The Bull Radio Football Show. Football chat every night of the week, Monday to Friday, five till seven, and we give you new words as well. We add to your <laughs> vocabulary with words you didn't even know existed, and in fact, probably didn't exist until tonight. Andy Halliday with Rob McLean and Ali Defoy on the show. We're going to talk uh, European football now. Before we go, we're fast running out of time here, but we've been talking around uh, all the games for all four teams uh, tomorrow night. Let's uh, home in. Uh, for the moment on Celtic heard from Neil Lennon earlier going to hear from him again right now on the importance of European football to the club having failed to make it to the top table it's very important obviously we you know have come out of the Champions League which is a you know a blow for us so European football is important to a club like Celtic every season so this game's uh, pivotal and what we want to do our endeavours to make the, the group stage of the Europa League and that opens up the whole season we're taking this game very seriously we've got great respect for the 
our opponents tomorrow evening and we'll have a strong team available. They were strong in the Europa League last season coming through the group stages getting to the knockout phase of the competition and probably pretty disappointed in the end Andy to lose to, to Copenhagen because Celtic were flying at that point having beaten Lazio home and away for one thing Yeah it's, no, I spoke obviously briefly on Rangers um, European success last year and some of the big results they had Celtic obviously had their own and, and the Lazio game was certainly one that stood out it was a you know they had some fantastic players fantastic squad and, and Celtic done there and you know, obviously had a great result it's I do expect that obviously Rangers and Celtic to come through getting into the group stages again. Uh, you know, for a, for a Scottish football perspective, I'd, I'd love to see Motherwell and Aberdeen join them in the next round. Although it's going to be extremely difficult, but yeah, I, I, I do fully expect the uh, Celtic and Rangers to carry the mantle and, and take it to the group stages again. We've been uh, touching on the opposition tomorrow night. It's a six o'clock kickoff, of course, in Latvia against uh, Riga. Not a team we know too much about, but Neil Lennon does. You know they're keeping clean sheets, so they're you know a tough team to break down. And um, in Bumble, we've got a very physical, strong centre forward. Um, and obviously, we're away from home in Europe, so we know that that brings its own difficulties. They had a great result against Copenhagen, you know, last year where they won one nil. Obviously, they lost the the tie over the two games. So, yeah, this is going to be a very difficult game for us. Run no illusions of that. For the other teams, you only have to look at the draw. You have to look like Hapel, Beersheva, Willem Twe, Sporting Lisbon. There's no doubt about the, the difficulty of those games. And I, and I guess the danger for Celtic, maybe even in the backs of the players' minds, is just thinking, Riga, yeah, should get through that one. Yeah, but some sometimes these scenarios are uh, scenarios are a lose-lose because people don't know the Latvian league. They don't know Riga. You know, they're probably not expecting much. But I've came across these teams in European football where you think uh, it should be a comfortable win. You know, we played uh, we played Scoopy, you know, Macedonia. Yeah. Know nothing about the league, know nothing about any of Scoopy's players. But in the game, you do realise they do have technically good players where you do need to be careful. They, they'll they have dangerous players where you know, they can hurt Celtic, but I'm sure that Neil Wynn and, and his staff have done plenty, you know, plenty of preparation leading up to the game. But like I said, I do expect them to go through. Lots of talk about Christopher Iyer at the moment, his performances and uh, the transfer speculation that uh, the <laughs> I'm going to stop saying I'm going to stop saying that now. I'm not right it's, it's my new world. <laughs> That's uh, surrounding the big Norwegian defender, but he's all set to go for tomorrow. Is he's very focused. He will start tomorrow. He's looking forward to the game, and um, yeah, like you can't control speculation. Like I've said, you know, as always, there's been no concrete offers no confirmation of anything and we don't want to sell him and he's in a good place mentally so I've spoken to him on it yesterday and I'm there as a support for him which sometimes can be a very distracting situation he finds himself you know he's getting all the support he can from himself and my backroom team as well obviously as his teammates Do people expect too much of Chris Iyer at times I wonder Andy because Yes, he's got bags of first-team experience under his belt now. Incredible. He's a big lump of a guy. But he's only 22. Yeah, I think it's just the nature of the beast at the old firm. You know, when you play, you're expected to perform because you need to win. And uh, I think he has been a great servant for Celtic. You know, played against him numerous times for, for a defender. He's very good at the ball at his feet. Uh, I think he's very well suited to a back three because he's a good ball carrier. He's someone that can step out of defence and pick forward passes. Uh, you know he's had a couple of laps of concentration, a couple of mistakes over the years, but I think he's been a great servant to Celtic. I'm sure that you know they'll, they'll they'll do their best to keep a hold of him. He's on the list, I think, for for AC Milan. I think they have confirmed that they are watching him. They do have an interest in him. I think there are other names ahead of him 
on the list but it, but it's pretty flattering for him presumably to, to think that a club of that scale are monitoring yeah definitely you look at AC Milan the players that they've had in the past the players that they've got now uh, obviously a massive team massive squad but uh, I'm I'm not sure but I'm pretty sure he's, he's going to be happy at Celtic he's had a lot of success over the last few years I think if if he really wants to leave and it does come up then, then we'll know if he does go but but for now, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see, him, uh, see him stay at Celtic. How do you rate Celtic defensively? Um, I think that Shane Duffy's a, a massive improvement uh, to their back, their back line. I think he's going to be a huge signing for them. He's got massive experience in the Premier League and international level, so I do think he, he's certainly going to improve that area of the pitch. I think everyone talks about how much they've looked suspect. You know, you look at their, their record last year, they never conceded many goals, they had a lot of clean sheets and... I do agree that European football is where their back four is going to get tested more. So I think it's going to be a big test for them. Obviously, the rounds to come and, and, and going forward. But I do think that Shane Duffy is going to be a, a big improvement in that area. Let's talk Motherwell and look ahead to their game in Israel uh, against Tapel Beersheva, who, of course, Celtic played uh, a few years ago. Stephen Robinson talking today, though, uh, in broader terms about the prospects of another football shutdown. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd be surprised if it was shut down, football shut down, because the, the protocols we've adhered to is above and beyond anybody else. I've, I've mentioned it before, it's above the NHS frontline staff. Um, you know, we're testing once and twice a week. The protocols we're following inside the stadium and, and you know, for games and training is you know, it's second to none. I think the mental side of things for fans and you, you've seen the you know some of the effects of, of people, older people that live and die for the football club all throughout this country in Scotland. You know, it's it's a huge part of the community and what it brings to the community I believe the, the government are recognising. Yeah, we spoke about that at the top of the show, just the opportunity to let off steam and uh, just the love affair we have with football. It's so important that it can continue. Hopefully it does, even for the moment, uh, without uh, fans. And that is the case for Motherwell in Israel. And uh, that's a real shame that they can't travel and be at that game tomorrow. Them sort of days out and, and, and nights out and under the lights, that's what fans sort of live for and that's what you're, you know, it's, it's so, so disappointing. We've waited so long to get into Europe and then you're, you're playing in empty stadiums. You know, uh, I believe that, you know, they've waited long and hard, they've been through tough times at this football club and it really is just a shame but you know, if you put football into the context of everything else in the world then we have to just go with it and, and, and run with it and do the best we can. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, but for Rangers and Celtic, of course, it's, a, it's an annual occurrence. It's something that the fans of both those clubs expect and, and it continually happens. Motherwell have had some success in recent seasons. They have qualified for Europe. They have played before, but they don't come around too often. And the prospect of a, of a trip in September to the, to the sunshine of, of Israel under normal circumstances would have been so alluring for, for the fans. And a real shame, Andy, they can't travel. Yeah, definitely. I think it's... a. Uh... It is. It's a real shame they've they've not been regulars in European football over the last few years, and and it's uh, you know that such a so much hard work behind the scenes and and fans travelling up and down the country to see their team, you know, and try and try and support them to get into the third and fourth spot to get European football, and and now they've achieved that, you know, can't obviously have their own days out and and travel the world you know, to follow their team, so it is disappointing, and you know, hopefully uh, they get the chance to do it. I can't imagine Motherwell will be in the competition too long before we might see fans back into the stadium, but hopefully they can get back there next year and, and uh, know the fans can start following them again. As I was saying, uh, Hapel Beersheva, uh, a team that we, we know well in Scottish football because Celtic played them a few years back and uh, Stephen Robinson knows Brendan Rodgers well. 
I, I will speak to Brendan at some stage today um, about some of the players that are still there. I think they're a very strong side. I've watched them. They've got strong individuals. You know, they, they've got three players who've really identified that can hurt you. But um, there's certainly... Uh, we've gone with a game plan. Um, we went to a game plan at Aberdeen that worked very well. You know, and we'll, we'll go with a different game plan when we go out there. And I believe that, you know, there's a real positive mindset within the football club and we're going to need to stick to the game plan and then hope that individuals do what they've done on Sunday and, and come to the fore and take their opportunities Yeah I think there is a fair bit of confidence about Motherwell at the moment Andy they've won four of their last five I mean we were scratching our heads for the first month of the season wondering why a squad that good uh, could struggle to win but but now they're struggling to lose four out of five they, they go into this big game in good form Yeah they're in good form uh, they're underdogs which might help them I do think this is where you know, the one-off tie is going to suit you know teams like Aberdeen and Motherwell who are maybe underdogs for their tie. But I certainly don't think they've got anything to fear. Uh, they're obviously, like you touched on, they're in good form. And and uh, I don't know too much uh, about uh, Belsheva. I know you mentioned that they played Celtic over the last few years, but I don't think that, that Motherwell should go in with much fear. And, and uh, I think they were expected to win their previous two ties. Uh, now they're the underdog, so you know hopefully anything further than this is a bonus for them. Keen to know what you think of Alan Campbell. What a start to the season he's had. Yeah, yeah. I, I, to be honest, I, I've been impressed with Motherwell's full midfield over the last couple of years. Uh, obviously, David Tumble's got his move to Celtic. Um, I like the boy Liam Polworth. I yeah. think Liam Donnelly's a good player. I think Alan Campbell's excellent. Uh, so I think it's a you know an area of the pitch where Motherwell have been really strong. And uh, you know Alan Campbell said a lot of a lot of plaudits this year and deservedly so. Like I said I watched the game against Aberdeen at the weekend. I think he was the, the standout performer in the game. So I think that you know they'll be wanting a, a similar performance for him if they've got any chance tomorrow night. So the time has arrived. If we were putting together a combined <laughs> Rangers go. and Celtic eleven, uh, let's start with goalkeeper Alan McGregor. Alan McGregor. He's... I don't. I, I don't. I don't think anyone can really debate that. Surely, short, shorter games at the moment. Uh, he is shorter <laughs> games, but he's, he's he's top top quality. And you know, Celtic have went out and they've paid a lot of money for a broadcast. I've not seen too much of him, but uh, no, Alan McGregor number one. Right back, James Tavernier. Are you playing a four? I'll play a four eye. Okay. okay. So Tavernier, a right back. Who's at left back? Borna Barisic Barisic right uh, <laughs> you see where this is going now do, do, do you have a Celtic squad Shane of players Duffy, in front Shane of you Duffy. Shane Duffy's getting yeah. in and who else Connor uh, Goldson Goldson and Duffy at centre back you've got this all set to go I thought you'd be struggling at this stage I think but. that midfield's a, a difficult area of the pitch I think I'm, I'm easy back uh, both boxes I think you know, my defence I'm happy with my, my front three I'll be happy with but I think midfield's difficult I think both teams are strong in that where, area where do you start in midfield well, Jordan told me I have to put Ryan Jack in, so he's in. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> he did. He did. Uh, Scott Brown. I'll go Scott Brown or Callum McGregor because I'm I'm not getting Celtic two players. In right, which? which, <laughs> right, which, which? Well, who are you putting uh, on the bench and who's on the in starting? Oh no, we're not going to the bench. Oh, That's going to get really complicated. Well, then that way you could have them both. I was trying um, to help you here, Andy. I'm, I'll go Callum McGregor. Okay, Jack and McGregor. Um, who else have you got in there? Are you going four four two? Four three three. Four three three. I'll okay. Go. So your third midfielder is. He's trying to take as long as possible so the shows can out. I, can I just <laughs> explain? Joe Aribo. Okay, Joe Aribo, who had that explosive start to the season. <laughs> so three three names to go. I can just sense that rage around the country. Listen to me pick my fucking mind 11 here. This is brilliant. <laughs> Front three, Ryan Kent, 100%. No debate. Yeah. Right, this is where I'm... I'm Can I just explain, when it goes quiet, that's Andy yeah, thinking. I, no, this is where I'm struggling, right, because there's no way I can leave Edward at the team. No. 
I also feel like I can't leave Alfredo at the team but I would like Ryan Christie in there as well because right. I, I do rate Ryan Christie as well so that's this is difficult for the last Edward 100% I'll put some music in make it easier for you you've got one minute yeah you, oh. could, you could leave one of your midfielders out, I know, I, know you, I, I suppose know. and then but. you could have Edward and uh, Morelos right I'll, go, I'll go Edward and Morelos and I'll put what would you call that is that a hyphen uh, forward slash forward slash it's a hyphen again <laughs> speculation not, well yeah. you can use a hyphen if you want whatever so you I'll want I'll put a forward slash next to Joe Aribo and I'll put Christie's name next to it okay. and then I'll let I'll let the, the listeners decide who gets in out there too just to explain he was doing a hand action in the studio which yeah, is why I came yeah. with a, a forward slash rather than a hyphen <laughs> that's the team so that, I, would, you, would you think though I, I think it's that, a good team yeah that is a good team McGregor and goals Tavernier Goldson Duffy Barisic Jack McGregor, Arebo, I'm trying to remember who you left out now, Kent, uh, Morellas, Edouard, and Ryan Christie was in there as well. I think he's going to play 12. He's rewritten the rule book <laughs> in the yeah, course it's a, it's a of di- the show. I, I knew midfield was going to be the most difficult area of the pitch, so I'll put four in there. Andy, good to have you on the show. <laughs> Thanks very much. Andy Halliday, Ali Defoe, Rob McLean. Bye for now. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go.